talking to Maggie Runyon Shafa, co-CEO at New Schools for New Orleans, and Todd Purvis, Chief Academic Officer, KIPP New Orleans, who will be speaking to their model and how they are using personalized learning for their students. Thank you so much for joining us today. To start with, can you tell us why you're working to implement personalized learning in New Orleans, and specifically a little about the problem that you're seeking to solve? You know, in New Orleans, we've seen dramatic improvement in educational outcomes for students over the last decade. We've gone from one of the lowest achieving districts in the nation to being on the brink of passing the, the state average for student achievement. But with that success, we haven't seen as much movement in college readiness. Um, so what we have, have tried to do is increase personalization across the city uh, at various stages. We have about, through the support from NDLC, we have about 12 schools that are piloting new strategies, three schools that are completely uh, restructuring their school model to increase personalized settings for students, and actually two finalists from a, a Future of School Challenge we issued who are designing brand new school models with the hopes of launching fully personalized schools in the next one to two years. One of the networks uh, that is, has received an implementation grant and has actually been uh, working with personalized settings for a long time is KIPP New Orleans. And we're really thrilled to have Todd Purvis here, who is the CAO of, of KIPP New Orleans, to talk about how and why uh, KIPP has decided to personalize. Um, I think our problem is very similar to what, what Maggie talked about. Over the past 10 years, we've dramatically transformed the percent of kids who are achieving at basic or at around the 50th percentile in terms of student outcomes nationwide. But if you look at kids above the 75th percentile within our schools, it hasn't moved much and there's not much variability from school to school while there is variability on kids kind of in the middle percentiles and the growth that we've had there. So the challenge that we have set out to do is say, if we're expecting more out of teachers, common cores come, we expect kids to do more rigorous thinking, we expect more writing to happen, kids to be reading at a higher level, We've got to change our structures a little bit so that we can empower teachers, enable teachers to spend time on, this higher level, on these higher level skills. We can't expect them to be able to push thinking at the highest level when they're also spending so much time on intervention and remediation. And so we've got to be able to be smarter about how we approach this and how we think about tackling this problem. And we really think that personalized learning is a key to being able to not only allow kids to get differentiated learning, but to allow teachers to differentiate their time so that all kids are spending time in really the most intellectually stimulating environment. Who are the primary stakeholders in your city who will benefit from implementing this type of initiative, and how will they benefit? Um, for us, the primary stakeholders, first are students always, and I think the second stakeholder group for us that we're really interested in seeing the impact on is teachers. But for students, again, the main challenge is how do we push the, the needle on high performance? How do we break through the 23 ACT barrier or the 75th percentile barrier or the mastery barrier on state testing. Uh, and in order to do that, we've got to free up how they're spending their day. Currently, they're spending their day in a very differentiated and focused way, but the teachers are having to spend time on interventions, building fluency, uh, and we're, we don't do a great job of setting kids up to really spend time in these rigorous activities. And so students will benefit first because if we can shift some of the foundational time the teachers are spending uh, to these settings and get really efficient at it, we can allow students to, to then spend more time thinking critically. Uh, and teachers, I think they're going to really benefit, and they have benefited from being able to be more efficient in how they're approaching some things that they've had this used to, used to have to spend a lot of time planning and preparing for. And so as their time has freed up, they've been able to devote more planning energy, more thinking energy to how do they push critical thought in their classrooms. 
Ultimately, we think a lot of kids can benefit from this type of, of approach across the city, which is why we're trying to make sure that we're capturing best practices and the learnings that uh, schools are having as they implement more personalized settings. One thing that we've seen is that cities in the Next Generation Learning Challenges are adapting the specific model to the needs that they see when looking around them in their own cities, which means in practice that we have six fairly different local approaches across the country. Can you tell us more about the Next Generation Learning Model in New Orleans? So as we approached this challenge, two things were happening at the same time. One, we did have some schools that were interested in looking particularly at blended learning um, to see how that could aid uh, both with, with uh, student learning, but also with teacher uh, sustainability. And we had local funders who are really interested in uh, thinking about blended instructional models. And so as this uh, learning challenge came to be, the way we approached it was really thinking about how can we, in a decentralized system with all of these schools that have their own cultures and their own instructional models and are really thinking very critically about what the needs of their school communities are, how can we provide multiple on-ramps and ways uh, to, to experience more personalized setting, settings, thinking about the life of, of each school and meeting each school uh, where, where it was at. So really thinking about a personalized approach to, to spreading personalized uh, instruction. What's really been exciting about our model and I think where we're going with things is the opportunity to have kids spend time that matches the outcomes that we want for them and what we expect kids to be able to do and teachers to be able to do. Uh, so as we thought about our model, the challenges that we, that we faced were how do we push critical thought, uh, how do we increase access for, to, to complex text uh, and complex problem solving for kids, and how do we give them time in the day to engage in those activities while not, while not forfeiting or the, the, the intervention time that is so critical to catching kids up. Uh, and so as we, as we thought through this, Personalized learning really provides the structures in the school day uh, to be able to do that for teachers and for kids. And so our model is, is twofold. One is the development of this I-class uh, period in the day that is designed specifically for kids to spend time in their instructional zone. If a kid needs help with reading remediation, they are getting help with reading remediation. But what is really exciting about it to me is the opportunities that the acceleration component of the I-class offers uh, kids whether it ranges from creative computing, capstone projects, uh, independent research, what, what you can do at the highest level for kids to put them in a truly stimulating environment is, I think, untapped for our network uh, and what is really exciting to see. And so we will keep foundational the elements that kids need uh, who are struggling as readers or whatever, but what is really exciting is to get teachers excited, to get kids excited about pushing their horizons on what they're involved in, what they're capable of being involved in, and what their content that they're studying in school is. And so that's, that's the really exciting piece that we're, we're digging into with our iClass development. Uh, the second piece of it is a one-to-one -one model. Uh, we really want to increase the amount of writing kids are doing across our schools. Uh, and as we increase writing, we wanted to put some systems in place to ensure that not only kids had time and space to write easily, uh, and that's the computers, but we could increase the amount of feedback teachers are get, kids are getting. We can increase the amount of collaboration teachers have across classrooms. And so if a teacher in the ELA class is working on a science project, if you do it through the through the one-to-one -one model, everyone can give feedback, everyone's aware of the project, the kids are working on it, it eases collaboration, it forces teachers to be on the same page with what's expected for writing, it increases opportunities for spiraled review, uh, and so the second piece of it is really 
enabling kids and teachers with the one-to-one -one model so that within the classroom, we can increase collaboration, we can increase opportunities for feedback, and we can increase opportunities for kids to get reps at writing. As you've been working with teachers and students, are there particular stories or examples that stand out in your mind and really capture the kind of change that you're hoping to see? It's always exciting for me to see teachers who are motivated to take on a new challenge. And it's often hard, as we expect more and more out of teachers, to get them excited about trying something new, especially when it adds time to their plate. And writing is generally something that adds time. Uh, being a writing teacher is incredibly difficult because you've got all the papers to grade. Uh, it's time, it's, so it's, it's very time consuming to be able to give high quality feedback. And I think the moment for me that really clicked on this was when I walked into one of our schools, Kip Central City Academy, and I saw the, 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 the reading teacher and the science teacher in a room together. They were on the complete same page with the feedback they were providing. We've talked for years about how do we get the science teachers or the, the ELA teachers and the social teachers all talking about the same writing process uh, because they end up just doing what is relevant to their content. But when they're forced to give feedback in the same way, uh, it was just the level of collaboration and excitement that I saw in seeing that one classroom just it clicked for me that this is, this is the way that if you put the systems in place and the structures in place, the things that we've wanted out of kids and teachers, they automatically just happen. Uh, and so it's on us to create the conditions where people will do those things. Uh, and the one-to-one -one model is the way to do it for us. Uh, and that was really exciting to see. That, that has quickly spread to our other schools. They've seen the excitement the Central City teachers have had about how to collaborate around writing and give increased feedback. And now we have teachers from other schools coming to us saying, when do we get the one-to-one -one model? When do we get this? We pilot it in a couple grade levels, but it has just built because the, the teachers just love it. Uh, and they love being able to give feedback. They love being on the same page. They love feeling that they have a partner and how they're tackling these writing challenges and the critical thinking challenges. Uh, and the technology really enables that collaborative environment. That's fantastic. Thank you very much. As you think ahead to 2015-2016, can you talk about what's next for the next generation learning challenges in New Orleans? It's interesting. We brought all of our grantees to talk through uh, what 2025 uh, education in New Orleans would look like a couple of months ago. We asked that question, you know, from a student's perspective, if we're going to get from where we are now, which is, you know, a, a, a school that is a district that has come out of failure and is, is really on the rise. If we're going to get to a, a system where every child has an excellent school to look at, to go to, what does that look like from a student's perspective? And all of them reached consensus around the idea that uh, school has to be more personalized and has to be more student-centered, while at the same time ensuring that students are rigorously prepared for what they'll experience in college and career. If we think about what's next on this for us, I think it's it's really exciting that uh, KIPP Central City has piloted, has partnered with Tulane and started this program called College Writing Buddies, which is remarkable. And there's now, next year will be about 400 uh, freshmen who are one-to-one -one paired with a student at KIPP Central City to provide feedback. Uh, and so a student can just get on and message their, their college buddy, not just their teacher, and, and get feedback in an ongoing way in the same kind of way that they did with the teacher. And the impact of that for a teacher, you've got a partner now to provide a ton of feedback to kids. Kids can access them in real time. Uh, and then when you put that together with the feedback from a teacher, all of a sudden what kids are getting is dramatic.
dramatically increase in terms of feedback uh, and the impact on the writing will be huge to have multiple voices being able to sit there and say, this is, this is areas for growth and this is how I can help you. And as that expands and we can take that kind of concept and build that out, then it's not just the teacher who's responsible for giving feedback, they're responsible for managing multiple people on the feedback. Uh, and then the kids, what they receive, like the, the writing will just start to accelerate in a way that we haven't seen when you can just have four formal kind of feedback times throughout the year. The difference between that and 100 in the moment pieces of feedback is huge. And those systems are only enabled through the one-to-one -one technology. What are the biggest challenges schools in your region face? And how will this initiative provide opportunities in those areas? So in terms of, of creating more personalized settings, I would say the biggest issue, honestly, was just getting started with both resources, so the, the actual hardware, but also uh, the how-to of, of how to do this. Um, what's been really important about Hip New Orleans and others is that we have, we can provide local examples of how this works for uh, New Orleans kids, um, but also the funding has helped helped people go to other places that are much further along than, than we are and see exactly what we mean by personalized uh, learning. Um, ultimately, all of this is to ensure that uh, students are, are pushing past our sort of limited proficiency levels really to mastery in college and career readiness. And we just believe that personalized learning plays a huge role in that effort. And we've had a bunch of challenges. This will also blend with our wish we had known and advice we'd offer. Uh, but I think the biggest challenge that we had at the beginning was narrowing our focus and being really clear on what, we want, what problem we wanted to solve. Uh, it was very enticing to say, we're gonna go one-to-one -one or we're gonna have this awesome lab in the school and that should, shouldn't have overridden clarity on what we were trying to solve. Uh, and that kind of, we, we were forced to kind of go back to the drawing board a little bit and say, okay, we've got the computers in the school now. What's the purpose and how do we really focus the purpose? Reflecting back on your experiences, what do you know now that you wish you'd known prior to launching your initiative? Yep, so reflecting on our experiences, I think what we wish we had known is something that we always come back to saying and that people are at the center of this still. As we think about personalized learning and the role of technology in that, sometimes there's a, a tendency to think that people aren't as important as they may have been, but people are more important than ever. Uh, the implementation of this has depended for us on those who are implementing. And for us, as we look back on it, what I think we, we wish we had done better was train, empower, identify people at the school level who are going to be the leaders of this in the schools where we had a really amazing person leading it. The initiative went really well in schools where we tried to implement a system without the person to do it uh, or without the, the training, get, providing the training that we needed to. Uh, it didn't go as well. It didn't stick as well. Uh, and so really doubling down, even though the there's a technology investment behind this doubling down on the people who are leading it as the, as the key to launching it effectively. We recommend giving schools a longer period between launching their pilots and applying for full implementation grants. We found that it was really difficult for some schools to fully evaluate the effectiveness of their uh, pilot program and decide on implementation plans with just such a quick turnaround period. This was especially true for the schools that needed to purchase computers or programs or hire additional uh, personnel 
or even uh, change parts of their school day schedule in order to, to go from pilot to full school implementation. What advice can you offer to incubators who are just starting out? Yeah, my advice would be to go slow and focus on the people. Uh, we've, we've ended up slowing down uh, some of our pilots over the, the years that we've piloted different initiatives around personalized learning and blended learning. Uh, and the reason being, there's so much of, of a knowledge base that teachers have to learn, how they're shifting, thinking about their instruction, and that takes time to set people up for success in that. Uh, and so by focusing on the people and, and slowing down to make sure that we were accomplishing our, our clear outcomes that we wanted uh, was critical in, in setting us up for success. We would definitely recommend uh, to plan to have a strong technical assistance provider from the start. Um, I think secondly, we found that it took some time to align different schools and networks around what personalized learning uh, is and the role of technology in personalized learning. Specifically, that technology is a tool for personalizing learning, but it's not the end goal, um, and it is not personalized learning in and of itself. So we'd recommend spending time with individual school leaders and charter operators as much as possible to talk to them about a shared definition of personalized learning so that everyone is really speaking the same language and has the, the same vision of, of what this could look like. Thank you both for joining us today. This is such a fantastic opportunity for New Orleans, and we can't wait to hear more about your success.